This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. This is our pea episode. We're going to be talking about peas. I'm going to be giggling sophomorically every seven seconds or so, um, which will be very different from other episodes. It will be. You've never heard an episode like this one where we I know. giggle. And, uh, and we're not going to confine ourselves to, to English peas, like the, the peas where uh, you have to open the pod and take them out or like take them out of the freezer bag and you eat uh, just the, uh, the little novels inside. We're also going to be talking about snow peas and sugar snap peas where, you can, uh, where they're grown to have an edible pod. Yes, indeed. But we are going to start with the English peas. Right. And we are. And we're going to be we're going to start out talking about the great controversy of how to cook an English pea. The the controversy that has been raging on and on for decades with many casualties on both sides. Yeah, We're sure you've heard about it, possibly even been impacted by it. <laughs> and if, yeah. If you've been impacted by a pea, you know um, how, uh, how annoying that can be. <laughs> how much it hurts. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, I mean, the, the, the stereotype about peas is uh, you take them and you cook them for maybe 12 seconds or something, um, because uh, after that, they turn uh, brown and mushy and gross and no one would ever would, want, would ever want to do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, when it comes to fresh peas from the farmer's market, fresh English peas, you know, it is considered a great injustice to uh, to overcook them. Right. And even with frozen peas, you know, the, the common wisdom, at least among American cooks, I would say, is that uh, you're just supposed to cook them long enough to warm them up. Right. Now, does everybody around the world feel the same way? Well, I don't think so. I mean, look at the Brits with their mushy peas. That's true. We are going to be looking very closely at those mushy peas. We're going to be putting on, putting them under the microscope. We're even going to be eating them. And I know of a, a fellow American who really likes well-cooked peas. Are you going to reveal his name so the authorities can go his after him? His name is Mr. Francis Lamb. Last name spelled L-A-M, people. You know where to find him. Perhaps you have seen him. He was a contributing editor for Gourmet Magazine, the dearly departed Gourmet Magazine. I used to work with him. Oh, wow. A moment those of were, silence. Those were the days. Anyway, now Francis is the food editor for Salon.com. I have had the pleasure of sharing a couple of meals with Francis. And on, on one occasion, we were eating some pasta with mushrooms and prosciutto and some very, very, very well-cooked peas. And much to my surprise, Francis was totally in love with these peas. He was really ecstatic to be eating these 
quite mushy peas. And uh, so we thought we'd call him today and find out why. Yeah, let's get him on the phone and uh, see what his deal is. Hello. Hi, Francis. Welcome to the pea episode of Spilled Milk. This is so strange. I happen to be sitting right here and the phone rang. So we've just been talking about how there's this stereotype about peas that the the only person who would ever cook them longer than like 15 seconds is uh, a mythical 50s housewife uh, who's doing terrible things to vegetables and should be castigated for it. I understand that you disagree, and we want to know why. This is why. This is why. Because fresh peas are a lie. Oh, wow. Everyone wants to believe. Listen. (laughs) I feel very strongly about this. Okay. Here's the deal. Yeah, there's this, there's this real, you know, I think it's because they're so they're pretty and they're beautiful and they're tiny and they're precious and they're green. And, you know, they come in the spring and everyone's really tired of the winter and they want to think of these things as being such an expression of the earth and the earth's bounty and it's the, the, the tender. Yeah, Francis, it's great so if you poetic. happen to have a garden. Right. Well, thank you. Actually, I'm, I'm reading that. <laughs> from, from your prepared <laughs> statement. That was the prepared part okay. of my presentation. But anyway, so like, it's great if you have a garden. It's great if you live near a garden or friends of gardens, and like, you, know, you have that like, really wonderful springtime moment where you're in the garden, and you're like, oh my God, this is an amazing thing because you just plucked it off the pea plant, and now it's in your mouth, and it's tender, and it's juicy, and it's like pure sugar, and that's amazing. This and is, 40 yeah. minutes later, those peas are fucking rocked. Ah, <laughs> because, I see. Is it the- so I don't care like, how amazing your farm-to-table restaurant is. If you don't have that garden out back and you're serving me like, peas from that morning even, like, they're not nearly as good as they were. Like, the nature of the pea is it starts turning starchy within like 40 minutes of being plucked. And that's awesome. Like, whatever. That's wonderful. That's, that makes that experience really special. But I think the lie of it is like now you've had these peas sitting in your fridge for like three or four days and be like, I have these really fresh peas and you're like, crunch, crunch, crunch. They're really delicious. I can't believe how wonderful this is. Like, you God. <laughs> but here's the thing. The peas are actually legumes, right? They're beans. Yeah. The reason why they're amazing is because we pluck them when they're really, when they're green and they're not actually mature yet. So like they have all that sugar. But really they're beans. And like, we should treat them like they're beans. We should stop pretending and lying to ourselves that the three-day-old bees <laughs> are like the tender young baby. Like, after three days or whatever, they're like the gnarly, badass teenager, and you need to beat them into submission. Wow, Francis Lamb on parenting. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be happy to know I have no children. Okay, so, so what's the best way to beat them into submission? I mean, what's an example of, of a long-cooked pea dish? What would showcase, like, a, a pea that is past its, its, uh, its infantile prime and uh, ready to be treated as an adult? If you think about them as being beans, as being young beans, you cook the starch out of them, and after a while, instead of being hard and crunchy, you don't cook the starch, but, you know, the starch will change as it cooks and become tender again, and become sort of creamy right. and sort of delicious. And... It's not quite the same thing because, again, they're not, they don't have as much starch as like a fully mature bean, but you get that real richness and you get that real flavor. So I kind of feel like, I'm sorry, the question was, you know, what's a dish? And I don't really know a dish. I just think that, like, if you cook the damn thing <laughs> for an appropriate amount of time, 
it becomes amazing. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say at eight minutes, it's going to be right. great. And 10 minutes, it really is going to be like the overcooked can peas, which are kind of gross. Yeah. You know, the timing is going to be a matter of like, I don't know how old your pea is. I don't know how old that sounded so gnarly. Really I don't know how old yeah. mm-hmm. your, your particular <laughs> batch of peas are and you know, how tender they are and whatever, but just keep tasting them through if you're boiling them. Hey, great. You know, what's really, really wonderful is if you're cooking them uh, with some chicken stock mm-hmm. or some kind of stock, vegetable stock, or, you know, mushrooms are really amazing with peas. So if you, if you want to do like a mushroom stock or something and just sort of slowly simmer them and just keep tasting through the process. And at some point, yeah, they're going to turn kind of an army green color, but you're going to start to notice a new different kind of sweetness in them, I think. You're going to start to notice a sort of creamy or richer kind of sweetness. So, Francis, before we let you go, are, are there any other... I mean, do you feel this strongly about uh, some aspect of every vegetable? Like, anytime, like, if we're doing a carrot episode, can we call you for a rant? <laughs> you know, I, I... Like, rutabagas, fuck them. <laughs> you know, a rutabaga killed my father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my favorite joke. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good one. You can call me anytime. Okay. <laughs> Francis Lamb, food editor of Salon, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks, Francis. Thank you. So, uh, so Francis has convinced us that uh, it's okay to cook the hell out of our peas. So, uh, why don't we go into the kitchen and do it? Let's do it. Okay, dude, let's make this show happen. Okay. So I'm gonna make I'm gonna make mushy peas. How long do you think you're gonna have to cook them to get them to the proper mushy pea consistency? I think just eight or ten minutes. Yeah. Um, That's not very long. I mean, it really is amazing how little you need to cook peas to kill them. I'm so glad we brought back the cooking segment. (laughs) I know. It really really brings out the best in us, don't you think? I like the sound of stirring frozen peas. I know. It's like marbles. That smells terrific. Okay, so I'm just going to blend up these uh, these long-cooked peas, and I'm going to put them in a bowl and serve them up, and they should be buttery and a little minty. And uh, mm, They are. Good? Yeah. Mmm, those are nice. What's the singular for crostini? <laughs> um, crostino? <laughs> Il, Il Crostino, is that romantic Italian film? <laughs> it is. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to have lunch, and we'll be back in a minute. Well, wow, Matthew, I'm really very surprised by these mushy peas. I mean, I I just somehow thought that they wouldn't have this sort of bright pea flavor that they still have. Maybe the mint is sort of what helps bring that out. I think so. It's that, the fact that I didn't really cook them as long as they probably should have been. It's straddling the line between like a pea puree and actual mushy peas, yeah, to be yeah. honest. But it's good. And I think I like it best just eaten straight off a fork rather than on the crostini. I do too. It kind of yeah. gets lost in the crostini. You can have, you can have crostini to crunch on the side, I yeah. guess. I think they'd be an amazing, you know, sort of thing to just throw on a plate next to a piece of roasted chicken. Especially if you if you threw them onto the plate using like one of those ice cream scoops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you were wearing a hairnet. Yeah, you had a big hotel fan and you know, plop. <laughs> That's Isn't how that I funny? like to serve I mean, my food. Context is everything. Like really, if you took that same dish that we just had and it was served that way, you would think it was completely gross. I would. I definitely um, would, especially if it had an identical ice cream scoop of mashed potatoes uh-huh. next to it with a little well of gravy in the middle. <laughs> I would really think somehow that it was much less delicious than it really was. Uh-huh. It's kind of sad, huh? I know. 
Well, did you also eat fresh English peas, you know, straight out of the pod? Yeah, definitely. You, I mean, as a, I, I think of eating them as a kid for some reason. My mom introduced me to peas that way. I'm not wrong. really sure if I remember if I remember it from uh, from as a kid. I remember them appearing like at the farmers market, and I always I always find this alluring and frustrating because sometimes I get them and they're d- really delicious and sometimes they taste like nothing. Totally. And like, I, I don't know how to, how to tell which one I'm going to get. Well, you know, um, I was just looking in Chez Penny's vegetables, which is kind of one of my favorite resources. If anyone would know, Alice Waters would know. Alice Waters ought to know how to pick a good vegetable. Yes. And basically what she says is that when you're choosing English peas in the pod, that you should look for pods that are uh, shiny and firm and that the pods should squeak when rubbed together. You just made that up. <laughs> I did not make that up. That is written in Chez Penny's vegetables. That would get you kicked out of any farm stand, farmer's market, if you went supermarket. To see if, 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 you, if you rubbed the pods right, together like, to I'm see just, if they squeaked. Yeah, I'm just rubbing these pods together. Don't mind me. Like, <laughs> well, security. So if you're not comfortable rubbing your pods together in public, <laughs> what you can do is, is you should just make sure that your peas do not have um, pale green or yellow pods. They should be a nice deep green. Okay. And the pea pods should be sort of small to medium. You don't want the really big ones. We, we don't have any English peas in the pod here because it's a little too early here in Seattle and we wanted to get this like in time for you to actually find some use for it, which means that we can't put the sound of pods squeaking together on on the show. Well, you'll just have to do it in your own kitchen or okay. in your farmer's market if you're into that. Right. And if you and if you get kicked out and and you need <laughs> call call our helpline. Yeah. Yeah. It's 1-800 squeaky pod. <laughs> That's right. We didn't check to see if that actually works as a phone number. Uh, yeah, don't don't call that. Just can continue listening to our squeaky podcast. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> hey, that was good. Squeaky podcast. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm, he's fast. Okay. Well, I love the English peas, mushy, pureed, right out of the bag, whatever. But the, the, they're not the only kinds of peas in the world. There's, uh, we should give props to other peas. We should we should give out pea props yeah. widely. So what about the edible pod peas, like snap peas and snow peas? Now, snow peas, I, I have no reservations about saying I love them. I cook them all the time. I like to kind of cut each one into a few pieces so they're bite-sized and stir-fry them. They're great with ginger. They're great with soy sauce. They're great with peanut oil. Just uh, like... Just, dip, just dipped in cold peanut oil? <laughs> just, yeah, like frozen out of a bag, dipped in cold peanut oil, so the oil congeals around each piece. It's my favorite way to eat <laughs> that, a snow pea. That is really eating Get right there. Get on it, people. You'll love it. Uh, that, is, that is farm to table. Uh, <laughs> snap peas, I've, I've sort of had trouble with those. Like, I like to eat them as a snack, but I've, I've never had them really any other way that I liked as much as just kind of crunching on them. For me, snap peas are kind of best eaten raw. I mean, I really like them blanched. I mean, just barely, barely blanched. So they're still very bright and crunchy, but they're so sweet, both the pods and the the peas inside that I don't know. I think they're kind of best as a, as a snack, just eaten raw. Okay. And if anything, I really, really, you know, I may be able to get on board with the mushy peas, but I really, really cannot get on board with people who overcook snap peas. Yeah, that's I that's think, really weird. You know, you overcook them and the skins get sort of wrinkly and slimy and then you, you put too much butter on them and it's just, it's all wrong. But even I've, I've made them like just blanched for like 30 seconds and then with a little bit of butter and they're okay, but still I feel like uh, I would rather be just eating these uh, out of uh, a bowl next to my chair watching TV. Totally. I'm on it. 
Now, I, I wanted to I wanted to bring up like the the uh, the strings. Like every every kind of uh, edible pod pee um, has a little string along the side that, uh, and it really really bugs me when people don't remove the string. Really, I've never even thought about it. Really? Yeah. I, I always so when you're when you're sitting in front of the TV eating your raw snap peas, do you sit there and pull the string out of each one? Yeah, because otherwise I keep accumulating this like ball of string that keeps getting. <laughs> I, I'm going to get the the world's biggest ball of twine, like like pea in, version in your mouth. In, yeah, in my mouth. Like the the Guinness people are going to come over to examine like my mouth to make sure that that that's really how I accumulated that ball of pea twine. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah so so yeah I, I always I always uh, perhaps I'm more fastidious than the average eater although you wouldn't normally say that about me but I uh, wouldn't normally say that yeah. about you Wow Matthew this episode has been really illuminating I I think that we have really shined a light on the universe of peas and we want to thank Francis Lamb again for being on the show when you told me that uh, Francis had a rant about peas I thought you may be overplaying your hand but actually that was a serious rant about peas and it was pretty awesome it was thanks Francis and thank you for listening to spilled milk the show that rubs its pods together in public I'm Matthew Amster Burton and I'm Molly Weisenberg to see the recipe from today's show from mushy peas please visit our website at www.spilledmilkpodcast.com. Is that my new clown nose? Yes. Whoa, that is such a huge clown nose. Okay, while you're working on that, I'm going to interview this croissant. How long have you been so buttery? How did you get so buttery? Hmm.